Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life, so our eternity is far better. As always, you can look to the show notes for all of the information on how to follow us or give us questions or comments or episode ideas. We'd love to have those from you. In this episode, we're going to be continuing our theme of victory, that Christ has given us victory, and there's several things that He's given us victory over, but we've selected four, and then a final question that we'll ask in the fifth episode this week. But this next episode is going to be talking about victory over death. Victory over death. If I were to ask you, name some influential people in your life who have died, could you do it? Silly question, right? You know of people who have died, and you can tell me probably when they died. What were you doing when it occurred? I could honestly tell you in great detail the day my grandmother died, what happened, what I was doing, what we were, we were eating lunch, and we got the phone call, and pretty much everything after that was a blur, but boy, leading up to it, I can tell you what was going on. Death has plagued mankind since Genesis 3. It has absolutely devastated each and every family, each and every person, and it will continue to do so as long as this world is spinning. So how can we win? It seems like such a defeat to walk into a room where there's a casket containing a loved one. It seems like such a defeat to go to the graveside and then to walk away for the last time from that loved one. So you're telling me then that we can really have a victory over death? I'm so thankful that the answer to that is yes. As horrible as it is to witness the death of a family member or of a friend or of anyone that you know, the Bible gives me some information on what happens to those who follow Christ and what happens to those who live that faithful life. First, we need to ask ourselves, who is it that gives eternal life? Who gives eternal life? You remember we're talking in 1 John 5, and we're going to be in verse 10 through 13 today. But in 1 John 5, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. If you do not believe the revelation, if you don't trust the revelation God has given, then we're declaring that God is untrustworthy. He's not trustworthy. I heard a preacher once say this, and some people say it's extreme, but I do think it's a really good point to continue to make. If Jesus failed in one point... In his ministry, whether it was in saying that he and the Father were one or that there were many mansions or what, whatever you want to pick. If Jesus failed in one point of his ministry, the rest of the Bible cannot be trusted. And if God failed in one part of his ministry in giving us the Bible and providing us hope for eternal life after we had transgressed the law, if God failed in one point, he is not trustworthy. And really, the preacher's point that he made was if that is the case, 
then we might as well throw the Bible out because it has no value for us then. If you were to pick up a book that said water was not composed of H2O, what would you do with the book? You would sit there and go, okay, I'm not so sure I can trust anything else that's said in this book. If you were to pick up a math book and it were to be a second grade math book and it were to say 3 plus 3 is 8, you would sit there and go, hold on a minute. I'm not so sure that I can trust this math book. Now imagine picking up the Bible and reading that we're promised eternal life, but then we're told there's no hope over death. You would probably sit there and say, I'm not so sure I can trust this book. If God's testimony cannot be believed, then we're saying he's not trustworthy. So then we have to ask ourselves, how can I prove that God isn't trustworthy? A simple way to prove it would be to disprove the Bible. But the problem is history and many other tests have been given to the Bible and have been leveled against the Bible, and the Bible has continued to withstand the test of time. And it will continue to do so. There have been men who have said things such along the lines of, I'm going to be instrumental in destroying the Bible. And when those men died, their houses had been used to print more Bibles. The Bible is a number one bestseller. It's not going away. So then if I can't disprove it in the Bible, there really only leaves me one option. That the Bible is the Word of God. And that what God says is a true testimony. It's a true statement. And I have to then believe it. Now notice what verse 11 says. This is the testimony. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. If I want to know how to defeat death, shouldn't I look to the one who defeated it? You know, when you look at sports, some people are becoming these great dynasties. And you think about in basketball, you have the likes of the Golden State Warriors. Or in college basketball, you could think of Kentucky or Duke or many other different schools who throughout the years, they're always in the Final Four or the Elite Eight or who, however you want to look at it. They always make it to the last round or very close to it. And people start to say, how can we beat them? And then when a team shows the formula for how to do it, teams begin to copy it. Several years ago, there was a formula that was developed, and teams began to say in the NFL, we're going to do that too. People say all the time, it's a copycat league. Well, if I want to defeat death, I need to look to someone who's been successful in defeating it. How foolish would it be to say that I want to defeat death and then go to someone who hasn't been able to defeat it? Jesus Christ, as we talked about in the last episode, gained victory over the world when he gained that victory over death. When he sat there, die, having died, and said, you know what? It's time to come back. And he rose himself from the dead. That is who I need to be looking to to figure out how to gain eternal life. But God ultimately gave us that eternal life through Christ His Son. So I know who gives eternal life. That seems pretty self-explanatory. It came from God through Jesus Christ. But who can receive it? Do I have to live a perfect life as God and, and Jesus display? 
God is no part of sin. Jesus came to this earth and lived a life being tempted in all points and never sinned. So is that what I'm supposed to do? No. I don't have to be perfect. I just have to have the Son. Look at John 8, 1 John 5 and verse 12. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Life is in Jesus Christ. And death is still around, but its sting is not as horrible if we're with God. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, that the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What does death really do to the Christian? Think about it for a minute. Does death really defeat us? Is death really the last nail in the coffin that has destroyed mankind and it is never going to get any better? Not if I have the Son. Not if you have Jesus. It can be The worst thing that happens to you if you die and don't have the Lord. But I can know that I'm saved. I can know that there is standing in heaven a place for me to dwell. If I were to die today or if the Lord were to come back, I can be confident. Death is not the end. And I know it's become somewhat of a cliche in the funeral world for us to say things along the lines of, we're not here to mourn, but we're here to celebrate a victory. Or we're here to celebrate the life because brother or sister so-and-so has finally gained the victory. But it kind of seems like we've cliched that phrase. But it shouldn't be looked at as a cliche. In truth, if I were to die right now, my life becomes far better. If I have the Son, and if you have the Son, your life becomes far better. Notice the purpose behind why John's writing all of these things in verse 13. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. It's not enough for me to at one point in my life believe Jesus. I have to continue to believe Jesus. And I can. And you can. Reasons why the book were, was written, that you can know that you've got eternal life, as verse 13 says. Or, as chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, says that you may have fellowship with the Lord and with those who are in the Son. And also that we wouldn't sin, 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear the judgment. But, Michael, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. And perhaps I never will. But God knows who you are, what you've done, 
how you've been forgiven, and God still wants you in the kingdom. He still wants you to come home. Can you imagine the love? We are so blessed to have a God that looks at us and says, I know what you've done, but I still see value in you. I know how you've lived, but I know where you're going, and I know how you're living now. I don't have to fear death. It shouldn't be a scary thought for me to die. I should be excited for the moment when that final breath comes to know that I will wake up in paradise. After a faithful person dies, do you know what happens? The Bible teaches that the angels come and carry them into Abraham's bosom, into paradise. Have you ever had that thought cross your mind before when you were sitting in the home of one of your dear loved ones who had passed in the home? Have you ever received comfort for sitting there thinking the angels came and took her soul or took his soul to paradise? My dad, years ago, serving as a gospel preacher, was visiting the home of someone who had passed. and He was visiting the dear loved ones that were there hurting. And while he was visiting, the funeral home came to collect the body. And the funeral home director said, I'm so sorry to do this to you, but Mr. Clark, would you mind helping me because... I'm short-staffed tonight, and I need to get some help in order to collect the body and be able to bring it back to the funeral home. My dad said that he would, and in the process of doing that, the man looked to him and said, Is this a believing family? My dad said, as a matter of fact, it, it is. How could you tell? And the man responded by saying, you can always tell the ones who have hope. And the only reason we have that hope is because of Jesus Christ giving us the greatest victory of all. Victory over death. Victory over sin by conquering death. Death doesn't have the sting that it once had. And for the man that passed that, that evening... He gained the victory. And his eternity is far better than the rich man's or than anyone who allowed their lives to be so fulfilled with this world and with fear of other things that they never got their lives right. We have victory over death. I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of 
far better. And I hope that you'll tune in to the next episode where we talk about victory over sin. Until then, I hope we please God now so that our eternity is far better.